Uh, we do have a, a son and daughter-in-law who live down in Atlanta, Georgia, and they're, they're in on this all y'all thing. Our daughter-in-law corrected us on that. She said y'all is singular, all y'all is plural. So I'm glad all y'all are here this morning. Let's hear what God has to say to all y'all and to y'all. So, yeah, thanks for that, Simon. That was, that was a very good introduction. I really appreciate that. So I got an email from Chris a little while back, and uh, he was saying, we're going through the book of Matthew, and we're inviting you to take a, a, a part of it. And, uh, man, the Lord spoke to me just like that and said, take this first one. But not the first one. Chris introduced it, and then Al did the, the first one with the genealogy last week. But he said, "Get jump right in there. So I took the next one, which is Matthew... Uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is Matthew's account. As Chris, a lot of the things that Chris gave us in his introduction are going to come out here this morning and so forth. Going to try to cram it down in here a little bit. If I stay on script, we'll be here way too long. So we'll see what the Lord has for us. Add it. Uh, you got it up here? Okay, I'll go ahead and read it from my Bible. Hopefully it'll be the same as what's up there. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. They weren't married, but it was a legally binding. We're back into those Jewish tradition things that we don't necessarily understand. But he was going to put her aside quietly. He was, uh, he was unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. But the, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been, which, which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Chris mentioned this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. And he quotes from the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel. Matthew adds, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, what you hear coming through here, what I heard coming through when I first read this, was this is talking about the virgin birth. And you say, oh boy, here we go. Some dead, dull, dry doctrine again. And, you know, is this really important? Does this really have any value to us or anything? Maybe it's important to God. Maybe it's important to the elders. I was going to bring our statement of belief today and hold it up and show it to you. I left it down there. You look at our statement of belief and you got two pages, more or less, the way my printer prints it. And halfway down, there's one sentence that says we believe in this miraculous birth that we call the, the birth of Christ by a, a virgin. So how important is it? Well, it seemed important to the elders. They put it in there. What about us? What does it have to do to us? Actually, if you look back at this passage, you see that it's really important to God because four times in here, Go back through it once quickly. Look at verse 18 and the last phrase of verse 18. Let me go down through that The last phrase, it says, before they came together, she was found to be with child. Well, 
That happens. But this was from the Holy Spirit. And we start to see the miraculous element. You go down to verse 20. We find in verse 20 that he says, an angel in a dream came to Joseph and said, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Go down to verse 23, and you get that quote from Isaiah, and it says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And then the last one there in verse 25, it says that Joseph did not know his wife. That's biblical language, nice language to say. He didn't have any intimate relationships with her until she had given birth to a son. So four times in this passage alone, the Lord emphasized, they keep putting a line under it. You know, if you're taking notes, put a line under that one. That's what the Lord is emphasizing to us here through, through Matthew, that this is important to God. <clears throat> if we go back to that quote that we had from Isaiah, and we find it in Isaiah chapter 7, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's that all about? Well, to very quickly try to give you the context of that passage, Israel was the, southern, was the northern kingdom, and Judah was the southern kingdom after the kingdom had been split after David and Solomon. And the northern kingdom had gotten together with Syria, and they got together a big army, and they're going to come down here, and they're going to destroy the southern kingdom. And they said so. They said, we're going to set up our own king down there. Ahaz was the king in the southern kingdom, and he's the one that the line of the Messiah is coming through. Chris talked some about that to us, how the line of Messiah would come through that Davidic line. And so Ahaz goes to God, and God comes and says to him, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And God said, I will give you a sign that it's not going to happen. Hey, did you ever have God come to you and say, I'll give you a sign? Imagine that. What would you call for? What did you ask for? God can do anything. <clears throat> we talked about Gideon. Gideon put out the fleece, dry one day, uh, wet one day so he could wring out a whole bowl full of water, dry the next day. Joshua, one time when he was fighting, God stopped the sun and made the day extra long. What about those tw 10 uh, things that happened there in Egypt? When God gets busy and wants to do a miracle, He's unlimited. I started thinking about that. I thought, well, he could have made a volcano kind of erupt in his backyard or something like that. He could have made it snow in the middle of summertime or something. He could have done any of those things. Out of all the things he could have done, what did he choose to do? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Wow, that must be pretty important to God. And that doesn't happen according to the natural laws. When God gets involved and does something miraculous, he doesn't set aside the natural laws. He essentially lifts himself above that and does something that when we look at it, we see this has to be God. Down there in Egypt, when the magicians tried to counterfeit those, those first signs, what happened? They got to a point where they said, whoa, this is the finger of God. Only God can do that. When God gets involved and does a miracle, it's something only he can do. This virgin birth is something only God can do. Jesus was born of a virgin. No one before him, no one after him. Just he, making himself completely unique. 100% man, 100% God. So when 
we go on through the book of Matthew and you hear him calling himself the Son of God, making himself equal with God, it's because he was born by the power of the Holy Spirit upon Mary. And when he gets out there and you find that he's hungry and he's thirsty and things like that, you realize he's a man. I'm going to tell you a little story. We were missionaries in Africa for a long time. And while we were there, <clears throat> there was a big sugar factory close to where we lived one time for several years. And uh, people came from all over West Africa to work there because they could find jobs and they could get money. And payday would come around. How are you going to pay these guys? They don't have a bank account. They don't have a checkbook. They don't have a credit card. So paid them in cash. They would go into the sugar factory and come out with pockets loaded with cash. So guess what? Out front, as everybody trying to take some of that out of their pockets. So I would go down there and I would lay a cloth out on the ground and sell them portions of scripture and things like that. Well, I talked to some of the other missionaries and found out guys like Dale and Carol have been doing their work translating the, the, the scriptures and some of this is getting printed and I found about 15 different languages that I could put out on my cloth that they could buy. So we communicated in French. So people would come and then somebody would ask me in French, do you have something in Saracoli? Do you have something in Tucolor? And I'd say, yeah, because in the front of these little booklets, it explained in French or in English what language they were. And they were written in a phonetic script. Well, the Lord led my wife and I, when we were in Bible school, to study phonetics. So we could read a phonetic script. So I would say, yeah, I've got something. I remember one day in particular where some Tucolors came, and one of them asked me, you got anything in uh, Tucolor? And I picked it up and found it. And when I started to read to them, I read to them a passage we're going to run into here in Matthew, where Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the big storm comes up, and he doesn't even wake up. That's how tired he was, the human Jesus. But when they woke him up, and he stood up and said, peace be still, we see the divine side of Jesus coming out. So as I would start to read this to them, I knew they understood me because they were correcting my pronunciation. And then I knew that they were getting the message because their eyes started to open up about this big. And when I got to the end and he said, peace be still, and the great storm stopped, I knew it got through because they covered their mouth. Now, not only their eyes were big, but their mouth was wide open. And the polite thing to do in Africa is your mouth is hanging open is to put your hand over it. And then I would say to them in French, what kind of man is this? He's God. Right at the heart of the difference between Christianity and Islam. They deny the deity of Christ. We've got it. God himself will prepare this person, this Jesus, he will be 100% man, 100% God. The only one ever to come into this world capable of offering that sacrifice we were singing about. We are singing about the blood, weren't we? It's that blood, only his blood. But his blood is sufficient for every one of us. And here we come in and all y'all can come on in. Praise the Lord. Give him a hand. Thank you, Lord. Hey, all of y'all come on in. This is a sacrifice where Jesus, Nicodemus, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. What did he say? John 3.16, you all know it. Y'all, y'all know it. Yes. He said, God so loved the world that he, hey, that's all y'all right there, isn't it? God loved all y'all. So that he sent his son 
so that all y'all who want to come in that believe in him can have life. Jesus' sacrifice wasn't just sufficient for one purpose, for one person. It was sufficient for all y'all. It was sufficient endlessly. Those from the Old Testament looking forward to it, us here looking back on it, that sacrifice, because he was that perfect sacrifice and only he could do it. Wow. That makes it important not only to God, it makes it important to us because there's no salvation anywhere else. That's what Jesus said. He said, there is no salvation anywhere else but in me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That's what he said. When he was talking to the Jews and he talked to them and he said, I and my Father are one, they picked up stones to kill him because they got it. You, being a man, make yourself equal with God. It keeps coming out. We're going to run into it in the book of Matthew repeatedly. We're going to see Jesus as a man. We're going to see him as God. And we're going to see him get into trouble with the leaders of the Jewish nation and religious system because he was both God and man. He was that perfect sacrifice that could be offered for us and the only one. That's why we send out missionaries. That's why we go. That's why when we get to the end of Matthew, Jesus said to his people there, I'm jumping way off script here. Sorry about that. <laughs> he said in Matthew 28, he said, hey, go out to all the y'alls out there, to paraphrase what he said, and reach them and give them the gospel, baptize them, and bring them on in here to live in it out. And then he gave us that promise. I don't know if you found it or not. It's way on down. I have to turn the page here to find out where I am. Uh, he said, baptize them, teach them, and behold. That means look, looky here. Yeah. Looky here. Observe all that I have commanded you. And look at this. This is important. I'm with you always. That's what he said. Only Jesus could say that because... He was not only human, he was also divine. We were talking here this morning about how he comes to help us when we're in our time of need. Jesus can do that. Go back to the book of Hebrews. I don't know if you can find that one. I'll look it up here and read it. Hebrews 2.18, slide number 15. Hebrews 2.18, it says, I'm going to have to find it here. I'm getting so far off script, I don't know where I am, so... We'll let the Holy Spirit say what he wants to say. Hebrews 2.18 says Jesus himself, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. If you're in that place that Simon was having us think about and sing about here this morning of difficulty, we read from Psalm 22. We go on into Psalm 23. What do we find? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. If you look down at the bottom of the page on that one, you'll find that that's the deep valley. It's not just talking about death. It's talking about those times Simon was leading us in singing about. Those times maybe when cancer enters into your family. Maybe times when somebody has an automobile accident. You don't know if they're going to pull through or not. Those kind of times. That's that deep, dark valley that's talked about in Psalm 23, verse 4. Jesus is with us there. Why? Because when he quoted from the Old Testament, he said not only would Jesus be born of a virgin, 
he would be called Emmanuel. And we, he is our Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Matthew added the footnote, means God with us. All y'all can go out tomorrow knowing that Jesus is with you, that you've got him with you. Back here in Hebrews 2.18 says he himself suffered. He was a man. He suffered. He went through it all. Now he can understand us and he can come alongside of us in our times of need and he is able to help those who are being tempted. I guess I took it down. He's able to help those who are being tempted. I got into that word one night. I don't know. I guess I got up in the middle of the night. I do that sometimes. Start to talk to the Lord and sometimes he'll focus on this or that. I remember one night he focused on that word, help. And I wrote it here in my Bible, if I can read this tiny little print. The Greek word is boitheo, and it's a compound word, like all y'all, compound word that comes from two words. One means to run, and one means to cry. So somebody falls off the dock into the water. What happens? They cry out, help, I can't swim. And you see a guy come running out the dock, kicking off his shoes, pulling off his shirt, saying, I'm a lifeguard. Dive in and save him. Jesus is able to come running when we holler out to him and say, help, I need help. Hebrews 2.18. He himself has been there. He's been through it all. He's got the lifeguard training. He's there for us. And he can come to our aid and help us when we need it. Hey, there's another one over in Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.16 has the same word in it. It says, Let us then be with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help, help us in our time of need. Whatever it is, whatever's going on, he's there for us. He's Emmanuel. He was born of a virgin. He has that human side, but he was born by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's got that divine side. And that's why he's able to help us in our time of need. Not only the blood that gives us our salvation. Without it, there would be no salvation. Now we've got Emmanuel right here. They named him Jesus. That was in that quote from the Old Testament as well. Because he was going to save his people from their sins. Once we have received that blood, that sacrifice as our sacrifice and made it personal. This is the y'all. Not the all y'all. This is the all, this is the y'all of the all y'all. This is the personal part, that singular, singular. Yeah, you get into that when you study languages, because that you in English is so ambiguous, and we have to learn. I remember when we started to study language, the first thing they did was teach us English, because we had to realize some of the things in English that are not there in other languages so that we could communicate some things that we do automatically when we're speaking, putting the tenses in there and the, you know, we had to go back and understand our own language so that we, yeah. So all y'all, when you, when you get to it, go down to Georgia for a little while so you can learn to talk. That's what my daughter-in-law would say. So here he is there for all of us, for all of y'all, to draw you near to the throne of grace so you can find mercy and grace to help you. To, when you cry out, he comes running to your aid. He's the Emmanuel. He's the Emmanuel that's with us. So this weekend, we had a lot of soccer. We've got grandchildren who live around here. Three of our, our grandchildren were playing soccer games yesterday. So let's go to this one as quick as you can. Go over to that one. Take a little break and go over to that one. Soccer all day long. And when you're playing soccer, what happens? Well, 
our grandson is learning how to dribble and get that ball in there. And my son said to me, if you want to see somebody score a goal, your best chance is to go to John's game because he scored every game so far this year. So here John is dribbling down and he has a choice. Out of the corner of his eye, he can see his teammate. What is he going to do? Is he going to pass it or is he going to go on in? I hope he's listening to that Emmanuel that's there with him. And he makes that pass to the guy that hasn't scored yet this year. He didn't score, by the way. He didn't score that game. His sister scored in her game, and she hasn't scored yet this year. And she was excited. What about that guy that's waiting to score his first goal? Are you going to pass it off? When you learn that when you're a kid, what happens when you become an adult? You go to work, and you get this really good idea. And you're talking to somebody at coffee, and you happen to mention that. Next thing, it comes down from above. They got this really bright idea, and he got a bonus. And what happened? It got passed off. You didn't mean to pass it. How many times does that happen? That happens. Those kind of things in life. And Emmanuel alongside of us is going to say, it doesn't matter so much what happened. It matters how you react to this. I'm Emmanuel here with you to help you walk through this situation in a way, going back to the epic story, that is going to give glory to God. We're here to give glory to him. When Emmanuel is walking alongside of us and we listen and pass the ball, and when somebody steals it from us, we can say, Lord, you saw it. You know I did what was right. You know my heart. You know what's going on. We got Emmanuel walking here alongside of us saying, I know, I understand, I've been there. I can join into this with you. He's there for all of y'all. He's there as that boy that will help that will come in and say, hey, I've been there myself. 100% human, 100% God. He's able to help. He's able to help us when we're tempted. When we're running into those temptations, what do you do? My go-to verse is 2 Timothy 2.22, where it says, don't give in to those youthful temptations. Instead, turn to the things that the scriptures tell you to turn to and to those who have a heart like it. That's a good paraphrase, but that's, that's one way. Find those things that God can use that when you cry out to him when you're tempted, he brings them back into your mind and helps you on through. He can help you through those dark valleys. He can help you through. One time before when I was up here, I don't know how many of you were here back then, I talked about how that works out in my life. I do a lot of maintenance and I'm working on a screen that I took off my house and it's going so good, I realized I hadn't stopped to ask the Lord to help me. Because I'm trying to develop this habit of Emmanuel, God with me, talking to him every day, all day long, about the little things that are going on in life, as well as the big things, the deep, dark valleys, the passes on the soccer field, those things that go on in the workroom, in the lunchroom at work, and things like that. He wants to be involved in all of them. Emmanuel, right here with us. And as we include him, what do we find? I read a book recently about relationships and something in there, I can't quote it to you, said if you want love to grow, if you want a love relationship to grow, you spend time together and you have these shared relationships. Love builds in the presence of shared relationships. Here's Emmanuel. He's walking with us. You want to learn to walk with him in a love relationship that doesn't quit? That one that Jesus taught us about, remember the first commandment? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. You want to learn to do that? Ask him to help you develop that habit of walking with Emmanuel every day, all day long. Getting him involved in everything that's going on. And you'll find your love relationship with the Lord is growing. And you're finding that Emmanuel involved in every part of your life. I think we'll just leave it there. I think we've heard what the Lord wants to say to us. I don't know what he said to you. All y'all got a different voice speaking to you to address y'all, each one of you here this morning. So I'm going to ask those that are going to pray, why don't we stand together? Those that are going to pray down front will be down here. If you want to come down and pray with somebody, fine, come on down. If you want to wait till after service to come down to pray with them, that's fine. But right now, before Simon comes up and we start with music again, I want to ask you all to take about, all of you all, take just a minute or two to talk to the Lord about what he said to you individually this morning. Is he leading you to this Emmanuel relationship all day long? Is he speaking to you about some dark valley that you're going through? You need to come down here, have someone pray with you. Take a minute of silence here and you talk to him. And if you need to come down and talk to somebody else, they're here for you.